So, episode seven, we have our special guest today, Joshua Michaud, uh, for Olympic weightlifting, uh, focus and balance. Um, balance being in your career and your personal life. So, uh, since he is Mr. Stay Motivated, we will let him start. Um, so basically, are we talking about Olympic weightlifting first off? Okay. Yes. So, so um, what's your history behind it? Like, uh, your, your experience? So I started off with doing CrossFit. And then I knew that once I got the teenage division, because I was competing in the teenage division. And I knew once I got in the open division for CrossFit, all those guys, like I was looking at Rich Froning, like um, Noah Olsen, they're like repping out 315 above head. So I was like, I got to get stronger. Started training with one of my friends named Chandler. And he taught me to do an Olympic weightlifting meet. I went there, uh, absolutely did terrible. Like everybody was like hyping me up and was like, oh, like you did good. But looking back on those videos, like you would cringe, like <laughs> terrible form, like pressing it out. Um, but the blessing was I was doing a lot of weight with it. So there was an Olympic weightlifting coach there, Walt, um, for a women's weightlifting club. And he was like, I think that you have potential in it. And I never wanted to do it. I was like, ah, I'll think about it. And then eventually I did get into it. Once I got into it, um, I went from doing Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit to just doing Olympic weightlifting. And I uh, did that for about three years. I was able to go to, you know, some American Opens. I went to University Nationals. I think qualified for that like twice. Um, and I mean, right now I'm just taking a slight break from it from COVID because uh, I did mess up like both my wrists. Um, so I plan to kind of, uh, right now, I'm thinking about doing like a, a little natural bodybuilding competition just to uh, kind of switch gears and kind of get refocused. And then I'm going to go back hard into Olympic weightlifting with the goal of trying to make it, to, trying to qualify internationally. Okay. So I know Santor wants to talk about doing a bodybuilding competition himself. Uh, he's going to go into the uh, heavyweight division for uh, <laughs> yeah, it's straight, physique. Straight I'm about to go, like, you know, I'm trying to go Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Absolutely yeah. not. Let's do you know, it. Um, Ronnie Coleman on, you know. <laughs> you know, bodybuilding is a cool thing, though. You know, it's um, I mean, you want to talk about I and I say this all the time. You you want to talk about the most, you know, uh, the athletes that are the most well-rounded as far as like making sure their nutrition is on point, making sure their training is on point, making sure they're sleeping, making sure whatever uh, nutritional supplements they may need. Um, they you know they are the best athletes you know and they do all the stuff just to do you know five seconds on stage yeah. and they, i want i'm not going to say they're the most dedicated athletes but as far as like overall balance as a whole every athlete that's in bodybuilding is the same you can have any sports you can have you know volleyball you can have football baseball you have some that are very de dedicated and you got some that aren't as dedicated so, yeah, bodybuilding is a great thing, but that's not me. I'm going to stick with Olympic weightlifting for now. <laughs> that is that is my thing um, for now, right now. Yeah, that's my so thing. So with, with training and everything, I know I see it with Santo on a more of a daily basis, but with training for you, with school, with work, with a lot of things going on, like what is your – give everyone your, like, daily schedule with training. Oh um. It usually varies, but okay, I usually have classes in the morning, so usually get up at 8 a.m., but I'm always up before that because I have like a little morning routine to kind of get myself together, so I get up about like 6.30, um, then I have class, uh, usually have time to get breakfast in between class, and I have another class at 10, then from there, I usually try to go and fit in training, after training, I have schoolwork, and then it usually varies because some days I have meetings, some days I have... Um, I usually have to do stuff for the fraternity. We may have events. I may have to go do volunteer work. I usually do volunteer work on Saturdays. Uh, my days don't usually die down till somewhere. I'm usually always moving between those times till about eight. But even then, um, I work instead with students with disabilities. So that's also a task that can vary throughout the whole day. And then at night, I also try to make a little bit of time aside to be able to um, work on my comic book or work on like any extra things that I'm doing, do schoolwork before bed. I do a job for my dad to be able to um, make a, like, a little extra side money. <laughs> and then 
we try to get some sleep. We try to get some sleep. So, I mean, I know the, like the important thing out of all of that, I mean, obviously besides helping everybody and doing what you do on a daily basis is that a little bit of time to kind of work on your hobbies Yes. more than anything else, just so like kind of, and it's not so much to like shut everyone up, but it's just like to get that, you know, like almost regain a little bit of sanity. It's, it's super important because um, for the longest I used to never do it. I used to feel selfish doing it, but I then started to realize how important like your own mental health is. And if you do not focus on it, then it will wear and tear at you to the point where you will hit rock bottom at some point. Um, so you have to make time aside. Like you have to put time aside, even if it's just like 10 minutes of what you want to do or just for you to relax. Um, Cause that's where I was at with it. Um, I, I ended up going to a counselor. Uh, there was a semester just reflecting on everything i was doing terrible putting myself thin i was doing bad olympic weightlifting um nothing was going good for me and it was because i was always trying to make time for other people doing more for other people and not doing for myself so that's why it's really important that i've incorporated my schedule this semester no matter what like josh needs josh time at some point during the day and if there's anything that takes away from it then you may have to reflect on your schedule or reorganize it or take something out of it what do you, um okay so let's talk about this let's try to break it down more like you was just talking about college and organizing your class schedule and stuff like that what is the biggest piece of advice that you can give to college students right now that are struggling with trying to you know y'all just finished y'all fall semester and it's been a crazy year with covid and all that what is the biggest piece of advice going into the next semester that you can give somebody that wants to do extracurricular activities and learn how to balance their whole student life, friend life, hobby life? Um, mostly to be dedicated and invest. Um, it's, not, it's not going to be easy. I think a lot of college students and my generation in particular feels like everything is going to fall in their laps and it's going to just like be there. It's not like you have to seek it and you have to invest in your, like you have to invest in whatever it is. Um, and that's the biggest piece of advice that I, can, that I can give. I'm not where I am because I wasn't dedicated you have to be dedicated to doing what you want to do Absolutely. or someone that is more dedicated will beat you out with it. So, like I said, um, to kind of expand on that more, let's say for me, cause for me, I want to do, um, I'm doing the whole fitness thing. I did not start to get more into it and get the opportunities that I have until I started to invest in it. I didn't start getting, you know, companies to reach out to me. I didn't get start getting, um, some top people that are within the fitness community reaching out to me until I started to invest. I started posting more. I started um, talking to more people. I started to make sure that I, I you know, I, I do the whole thing on my um, page where I make like additional videos and I post them to Snapchat and all this. And, you know, you truly have to invest. I even do webinars sometimes. Like me trying to be a motivational speaker, I started to like do some of the webinars that some of the top motivational speakers are doing. Uh, it's all because I'm investing in it and I have to be dedicated to put the time aside to do that. Um, yeah, I don't want to tell anyone to specifically do anything because I also learned that your schedule is organic to who you are. I don't want people, I think people also with trying to find, um, a type of schedule to follow or motivation. People look to other people to get that, but it's something that's within yourself. That's very organic to who you are, that you have to find out what's best for you. As far as the schedule goes, as far as motivation goes, you have to find what triggers you. Um, so to tie back in, like I said, best things are to invest, stay dedicated to whatever you're doing and mm -hmm. make sure that whatever you're doing, it's personal, very personal to who you are. Very nice. I like that. I like that. Yeah. The um, biggest thing, you know, like you said, dedication is a big thing. Um, time management is a big thing. You know, when I'm talking to, especially with high school kids that are, that are eventually trying to, uh, you know, make it to the next level and be, a, a you know a college athlete and all this other stuff they're they're like well, what do i need to know what do i need to do you know i'm like hey the biggest thing you got to learn is time management you're so used to everybody setting your schedule and you literally go from one classroom and it may be across the hall to the next classroom when you're in the grade levels and y'all walk in a line you know you go this you go that when you get to college there's no more line there's no more well let's grab you by the hand, we're gonna take you from this classroom. You may have one class on one side of the campus and you may have another class all the way on the other side of the campus. Mm -hmm. So it's learning time management and making sure you got you do what you gotta do. Uh, make sure you're eating, 
Um, you know, most freshmen can't cook uh, so, or, you know, probably can't cook, not in general can't cook, but the dorm room, you can't cook in those no way. So you got to go to the cafeteria when the cafeteria is open. Um, you know, if you got money to eat out, be smart with how you eat out because that freshman 15 is real. Mm. You speaking fast. That's another topic. But because <laughs> I don't want people to feel bad because I know it, it happens. It happened to, it happened to me. It happened to everybody else, you know. Um, when you don't have somebody, and then you got a, a buffet every single day in a cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> and good food, too. We ain't talking, but sometimes, you know, um, Chauncey's Choice, uh, the UP Cafe out here, they be throwing down. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all, I remember those days. I mean, it would be like, oh, man, my first plate can be, you know, whatever the hotline is. I can have chicken, whatever, fried chicken, and then I can go over there and have a sub next. Yeah. Or I can go have pizza. Or I can go have pasta, or you know, there's ice cream too. Like, like you have the whole shebang right in front of you. But um, you touched on something very important, though. Like, I love how you mentioned. I think for I know for me, being that I am so young, like there was a big difference between high school and college. They went from like doing everything for you to being like, it's up to you to go to class. It's up to you to want to pass. Like, it's up to you to do all this. I'm like, what? Like, right. I remember my first freshman year, like people were dropping like flies. Like I legit were seeing people get kicked out of their dorms because they weren't going to classes. Like, because some people like thought it was a game. They were still treating like a high school mindset. It's just absolutely crazy. I do think high school needs to do more preparing people to be in the real world. Like, you know, cause like I said, I know people, I didn't, I know someone that didn't know how to boil water. Like they literally came <laughs> That's, that's not, that's not necessarily a high school problem. That's more of like that at home. <laughs> you don't know. We need a what's the what's the class that they used to have culinary? Um, uh, oh, culinary. Um, homemade or whatever homemade. Homemade. There we go. Homemade. There we go. That's what it was. Yeah, I feel like they should bring that back. Like people really. Don't oh yeah, like, that and shop. Oh yeah, yeah. like for sure, man. I love I love shop just because you could. We had. Oh man, and I wish I could go back. Uh, we we had a, a bridge building, one day where we had those little. Like was it like a quarter inch by quarter, not even like eighth of an inch by eighth of an inch, like little like pieces of wood. You had a hot glue them together and like create a bridge that can hold so many pounds and so on. But we did, we did yeah. that with two, but it wasn't it wasn't uh I think it was more like science class we did that. It was yeah. like who build the strongest bridge mm. out of toothpicks and glue. <laughs> so to actually get back to what um Josh was talking about, um Simon Sinek talks about his five rules to live by and like, you know, just like you're saying investing and just kind of putting your schedule to what is going to benefit you and not to what's comfortable. And the first one is go after things you want. Uh, The second is sometimes we are the problem. Third is take care of each other. Um, Only the fourth to last. Um, the fifth one is it's not meant for you, but for your position. And then the last one, which I think is probably one of the most important things if I were learned at a young age, was learn to be the last one to speak. Mm, oh, I like and that. it talks. He talks to one guy. Um, I think it's like a 11, 12 minute video. Uh, but he was talking to like one of the higher ups in a I want to say it was in politics or something. And he says how he would sit in board meetings with his father when he was a kid. And his dad wouldn't say, oh, no, I'm completely butchering this. Um, he was sitting in tribal meetings. I think it was uh, like Native American ancestry. And um, his dad would be sitting and he would listen. He was telling him these stories. He would listen. And he would let everyone talk first. You know, they all voice their concerns and, and then he would speak. And Simon Sinek talks about, you know, these business meetings, these corporate meetings with all and hey, I want to hear your opinion on this. He goes all the way around, you know, she goes all the way around the room and he goes, All right, well, you know, we're gonna do this, this, and this, and this. And um, he says how your mind's already made up when you ask, you know, I wanna hear your opinion. It's it, it should be something that is brought to you, not you asking for it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's big for us as athletes, because we still are, 
in some way. You're still an athlete, even after you quit competing in the sport you started. You know, all the athletes, coaches, and kind of make the floor open to where you shouldn't have to, you know, pull teeth really to get a question or an idea. And you see it more, I think, more in areas that have that animal competition style where there's a lot of, there's a lot of fish in a small pond and they want to compete for more space. You know, they want to get territorial in a way. And I think you see in those bigger areas, more of the, um, you know, big cities that those kids put themselves or those people put themselves apart from everybody else. It's not a small town where you go, well, I'm already the biggest person here. Why do I need to try harder? And there's always the thought of uh, someone, someone's coming behind me and they're, they're going to get me at some point. That is, that is very true. I mean, like that could, uh, when you, like Josh mentioned earlier, uh, when it comes to training and stuff like that, you always know that your dedication has to stay there because you always know that your spot can be filled by anything else. Uh, not everybody needs to have that, that some of us have, like, you know, Josh and I are working, trying, you know, eventually make, you know, nationals, you know, and Josh may have more dreams than that, uh, considering the fact that he is younger than me. I'm looking at mine as more of a time frame of I'm about to be a master athlete in five years. But will I still compete in open sport? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, when you get 35, you're in the master's column and then you're like, all right, well, I can still compete open or I can compete at master's. But, you know, maybe, maybe a new goal when I get to a master's will be like, hey, I want to be on, you know, the master's team for Team USA or something like that and compete. Who knows? But like, you always got to understand like every time that you're pushing yourself, anytime that you want to quit, anytime that you want to, uh, take a day off. Anytime you want to be like, I'm going to skip this set because I'm tired. I want to do, I don't want to do this because this hurts. I don't, I don't like split squats because I don't like doing single leg work. There's, there's always a repercussion that will come behind you uh, skipping or you not doing something. Somebody's always on your heels at all times. And that's, you know, that's a, we should think about that just about anything, not just for fitness, you know, even at work when, you know, people always talk about they get evaluations from the job because somebody, your job can always be filled by somebody else. There's always students in school. You can have, you know, have a brand new person, pay them less and do the same job. Um, Anthony, what was the second thing that you said that the guy said on that, uh, on the um, you just read it? Uh, sometimes we're the problem. So that's very important. Kind of tying that into what you mentioned and center on what you mentioned is I think for a very long time, I don't think, people realize they have to reflect upon themselves, how much that you are in control of whatever you're trying to pursue, um, especially when trials and tribulations hit. Instead of being like, okay, a trial and tribulation is a moment of growth, we immediately start being like, oh, well, why is this happening to me? Like, we start, we start easing up. Instead, you should continue to push through because trials and tribulations are growth moments. It's literally put in our lives to be able to help us become the people that we need to be. And it was hard for me to realize that um, because you don't realize that you're the problem for a very long time. At some point in all of our lives, we don't look at ourselves. We look at everybody but ourselves. But then that's how much I like eventually as I matured, um, I've realized how much I'm in control, how literally the only thing that Josh can really control is how I'm affected by a problem or an issue. I can't worry about this person, that person or how they're going to take it. But I can't worry about what's going to do. So that sometimes simply takes you realizing that you can possibly be the problem. Um, and like you said, it, it, it's more than just, you know, being an athlete or being a coach. It's literally in everyday life. It's in relationships. It's in school. It's in work. Sometimes you just have to realize what you can control. The big thing that I think ties into that is knowing to control what you can, the things that you can't control, don't stress it. So whenever you face the issue, think, hey, can I control this? What can I do with this? Right. And if it's something that you can't control, then don't stress it because then you're just adding more stress to you. Um, so I found that that rule of the five very important. I've realized that in the last, especially this last year with everything going on, mm -hmm. I think people have to just realize at some point, can I control what's going on? And if I can't control it, there's no reason for me to actually be stressing about something that I can't control. Yeah, I know it's, it's, especially with a lot of, like, like you said, a lot of stuff going on. Um, 
even the smallest things that you don't want to handle, like, or say you get a notice, like, um, your payment for something's going up or, um, you know, or you, you need to call and we have to, we have a recall on your car. We have a payment issue something didn't go through. And all it really is, is just, Hey, I got to handle this. All right. Hey, what's up? What's going on? And that probably took all of, you know, you know, with being put on hold maybe an hour, but you know, you know, it could have taken maybe five minutes. Instead you sat there, hit decline, or you didn't read it or you didn't pay attention to it. And then uh, maybe an hour goes by and you go, Hey man, they, they close at like in an hour. I, I need to, I need to call now. And then you go, no, I'll call them tomorrow morning. I'll have about an hour. I can handle it. You get up, you sleep in, you go, Oh no, I'll handle it later. And that just happens over and over and over and over. That's just as bad as tire blowing out on your car, but you have a spare. And then you have to go buy another tire. The problem's already solved. Exactly. I mean, in, in a way, it's already solved. It's not the solution you wanted, but it's solved. And all it takes is to go in, spend probably 10 minutes to get a tire put on, and you're out. And it's probably something that you pass every day after work, probably something you see all the time. And you're already getting home at like, we'll say 3 o'clock, 3.30. What's the difference of you getting home at three and you getting, you getting home at four? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And that's the hard part to look at. Yeah, people make it much more of a bigger deal. Like, the problem isn't the problem. The problem is the solution. Most people take so much time to focus on the problem that they never get to the actual solution. And that's one big thing that also comes with humility. Like, um, especially I think we could talk about us as, like, men. I feel like what a lot of us lack especially like relationships, especially with like, even like, let's take relationships out of it. Let's just talk about, you know, being an athlete. Us as men, we, we, we do have, we have egos. Like, let's, let's be honest. Like we have egos. Some people can't get past it. Like until you learn humility, you're not going to be able to become the person that you need to be. If you can't admit to sometimes being wrong or knowing where you're the problem, then you're going to continue to be the problem. You're going to continue to go into the same cycle. And I think people don't realize that we, like when we're facing an issue, you're going to go in the same cycle until you do something to break that issue. So um, I'm, I, that's one of the biggest things that I had to come to learn with, and it translated to everything in my life. That's another thing that I learned in the past year heavily is humility, being able to get past my own ego. The reason why I messed up both my wrists was because I was ego lifting. Um, I, there, uh, Walt always told us a rule. He was like, if you miss the lift more than two or three times, be done with it. Done. Yeah. Um, if it's a, and I, knowing me, well, knowing how I got messed up my wrist, I kept telling myself, I was like, I do this all the time. No, I'm about to do this again. Like I'm about to do it. Like I do it all the time. No, I'm doing it. And that's how I messed up both my wrists. 265 been back on this one and 275 been back on this one from doing a clean that I know that I can make at any time, but I'm going to get, I couldn't get past my ego. And I was more scared in my mind to be humiliated that that weight defeated me that day. We have to get past that. You have to start doing you have to start being able to admit to when your ego is starting to overtake actual, um, what, what's the word, actual reason. Yeah, but that's, it's funny you say that because on Friday, um, my fun fact on my own personal page was about humbling yourself or life will. There's, you know, we always, we, a lot of times, we always have all these goals and things that we want to do, but we end up on the treadmill of life. So if you get the concept of what I mean when I say treadmill of life, because a treadmill, yeah, you're you're moving, you can burn a lot of calories on the treadmill, but you don't actually go anywhere. You're stationary. So and that's why we call it the treadmill of life. So you're sitting in one spot and you're spinning wheels really fast, but going nowhere. So what do you? What are the necessary steps that you need to take to get from point A to point B without you being stagnant? And if it's humbling yourself to move, to be, uh, you know, you know, to be the best boss you can be, to be the best owner you can be, to be the best coach you can be, to be the best, you know, uh, you being a life coach with staying motivated, uh, being a, a great athlete, what are those steps that we need to take to get from point A to point B at all times rather than steadily being on the treadmill of life because we want to be egotistical about certain little things here and there. So it's just humbling yourself or life will. That's almost always will humble you i mean i, I even to, to 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 expand on that 
Like I just wrote something down and I think it'd be the easiest, especially for us, because we've done these, um, easiest way to look at it is a treadmill versus a sled mentality. Mm. Would you, would you rather run, would you even walk, even walk? It doesn't even matter. Make the, make it the easiest thing possible. Walk. Would you rather walk at a one mile an hour or pull your body weight? over and over and over and over until you're just crawling for every inch you know but you're still progressing and you're progressing in a way that you know you can do Mm -hmm. i mean it's not and it'll look ugly by the end of it it's not going to be pretty you're going to be to a point where you just want to just cry and quit but you know you did it instead of saying in 30 minutes, I pulled this sled so many yards. And, but in 30 minutes, I walked or I ran or whatever on that treadmill. And I got, you know, we'll say uh, so many miles. You know, you're, you're, you're I don't know, uh, 10 miles. And my, you know, we'll say 10 yards are totally different. Or your 10 miles and my 100 yards are totally different. So it's, it's almost the same thing as looking at the base of a building. You know, if you use wood compared to using concrete, the same idea. Do you, do you want a stable 10 foot house or do you want a high, nothing but glass, you know, building? (laughs) I want everybody to see me. Oh, look at me in my nice house. No, no, definitely not. I mean, that's, I like that because, like I said, that was going back to my point earlier where, like, I feel like that goes along the lines of realizing how everything in life and your life is organic to you. Like, you have to be focused on your lane. Um, What's my breakthrough moment is going to be the same as you or the same as San Juan or the same as Anthony. Like, it's going to be organic to you. Um, My biggest thing was when I was, doing a lot of these things growing up because when I was doing CrossFit and weightlifting I in a sense I feel like I was doing it more for other people than myself and that's the reason why I had to take a step back um it, that but the reason I also had to take a step back is because like I said I was viewing it as in a sense that it was CrossFit and weightlifting but it was Josh it was Josh not being able to be in my right mindset um or in the proper mindset to take the challenge that was coming to me but when I was trying to find a solution, I mean, Santuan knows I was asking Santuan, I was asking my brother, I was asking my dad, I was asking this person, that person, what should I do? What's best for me? What's best for me? What should I do? And they're going to give you the advice from their life, from what they've been facing, from their journey. Mm-hmm. They're not going to give you exactly what you need. You could, the most important thing I would tell somebody, if you ask someone for advice, you can apply bits and pieces of what they use from their life but don't try to take their whole life story and make it your life story because that's what's going to cause you to start getting deeper into the stressing because it's not like Santuan's life because it's not like my brother's life. It's not like my dad's life. So one thing that's very important is realizing your journey is your journey. Like it does not have to end or be similar to anybody's because it's your journey. It's your story. You can't react the same way. Like, even if you take the same exact steps, you did the same exact thing, said the same exact thing as that person, it's not the same. It's not the same because that person had a different intent that you didn't understand, that there were emotions involved that they didn't know about that they had, that you don't know about that they had. Like, you can't, as much as people, and this is where athletes come into huge roles, as much as that person tries to emulate somebody else, you will never be that person. But you also have to realize that when you do things on that stage, like when those athletes do those things, they will be emulated. And even with all the, you know, sports brawls, fights, whatever it is, you know, especially the emotional moments on the bigger stages, what you do will be seen as okay by some athlete, right or wrong. And they'll say, well, this person in their mind, they'll say, this person did it. I'm validated. It makes sense. And so that's where it gets very hard to dissect because you can't explain that. I mean, as much as you say things, 
those athletes, those young athletes, they they don't they don't care to hear it because they they saw, you know, I know one of the big hotheads was um, Manny Machado for for baseball, or it was um, uh, who was the lineman that gave one dude like what so many lacerations on his head? He stomped on him with his cleats. Um, dang. I know you you know who I'm talking about. I, I gotta look it up. I can't think of a name. I was like, I can't think of the name. I know exactly what you're talking about, though. Um, but you know, when when you see this thing, Albert Hainsworth. There you go. Um, wow. like, yeah. and don't get me wrong, he was great athlete, but like, you have those moments that will define you by by one mistake, and it's not. And I'm talking athletic mistakes. I'm not even talking personal mistakes. You know, where those people who trash their, their careers off the court or off the field. But you have moments like that where that split second decision of should I do this goes haywire. And you don't play into the fact that someone's looking at you. Yeah. That the, the biggest thing oh, my bad. But uh wanna say this real quick. The biggest thing is, is a lot of people need to understand. I, I learned this a long time ago, is perception is everything. Mm-hmm. No matter what you think you were doing or what you know for sure you're doing perception is everything and i hate it sometimes because like i being a former athlete and watching people trash people on on social media that don't understand what's going on in the trenches like you know let's take the most recent event um people getting mad about the coastal football players pushing the mm-hmm. BYU quarterback in the face or pushing him into the turf it's first of all it's football Second of all, you don't know what was said because I can tell you one thing. I don't. <laughs> some of y'all probably never played past high school, but I can tell you right now, when you get to college, that trash talk is a lot more. Oh yeah, that's and a lot on, easier. Yeah, and it's in between the whistles. Like it's just literally in between the whistles, and you're constantly what your your only job is to beat that man in front of you, the whole time. So or any other sports. Like I've seen, even let's even take it down to tennis. Tennis is one of the ones that the, they, they actually changed the rules. I remember they changed the rules like back in like 2016. Foreign players could not always speak in their language because they're cursing their other opponent out the whole time. I never thought of that. That's interesting. So when I was at – I didn't know that. These players are gone now, so I can talk about them. So when I was, at, uh, when I was over in, at Georgia Southern, like, I remember all the time I used to ask the guys, I'm like, what are y'all saying? Like, what's, what's, what, what are you saying in your language that's hyping you up? He said, I'm not saying anything to hype me up. I mean, I guess it does hype me up. But he was like, I'm cursing him out. Like, if he if he beat me on that last ball where that I couldn't hit back to, to actually win that match or win that set, he was like, I'm cursing him out or I'm cursing at myself. But it hypes him up. And But the fact that you, you don't know the language, so, like, when you hear it, you're like, oh, man. He's getting hot. He's getting <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, and then, you know, after some time, you know, they NCAA trying to change the rules. They kind of, like, make sure they calm down because, like I said, perception is everything. If I'm th- I'm sitting over thinking he's hyping himself up, getting the crowd hype and all this other stuff, and he's literally cursing somebody else out, you know. that And, and then back going back to the whole Coastal thing, like I said, it's football. It is what it is. It is football. And, and I can tell you right now, when there's an interception on the line, the first person you're supposed to attack is the quarterback. Because how many times have you seen the quarterback being the last person that hits the person that returned the the ball after the interception and it could have been a pick six? Mm-hmm. So the first person you hit is the quarterback. That quarterback was kind of cocky. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm just all I'm going to say. Uh, he also had a big target on his back, too, because of what, the, what he was on the Heisman watch list. He... he was on the Heisman watch list, and, you know, they talked all this trash. Not necessarily to us because it was just, you know, randomly that they picked Coastal to uh, be on the schedule. But, like, yeah, he's hyped up. And he had the whole headband that said, any team, any time, any place. Yeah. yeah. I, I just feel like that, that was, that's such a good underdog story. Like, I, I love how <laughs> was Oh, man. Last night, last night was epic. It was epic being in that stadium last night. I, you know, and, and, and one of my teammates, we were sitting there watching the game. And we're sitting there talking. We're like, you know, remembering the days back when we were on the field with Coach Bennett and all of that, and it was almost like you was, like, giving tickets away to get people in the stands. Yeah. They even made a statement. They said 18 years ago it was a watermelon field. I mean, 
and, and to look at what it is now. I mean, oh, this is ESPN doing like digging up dirt on Coastal trying to find to really explain. Until game day, like they wouldn't let nobody on that field until game day because it would get so trashed in a heartbeat. Like that food, that field would used to get so trashed. And I mean, like, we're, we're on swampland, so like if it rained, you definitely wasn't being on the field yeah. until Saturday. Like last semester, I will tell you all this last semester, it's a big thing that we all make the joke about it. Like, no one goes to coastal games. Like, well, the, well yeah, this semester is the first semester that it's been this consistent that everyone's going to like every game. But I'm telling you, this was as recent as a last semester. Well, not last semester, last football season. People weren't going. Like, I mean, people would probably stay till halftime and they'll go drink. They usually just came to tailgate. Uh, and I it mean, didn't matter if he was winning or not. I mean, we yeah. have championships. If you look at it, that, I tell you what, and I was thinking about this earlier too, just to think about it. Every team at Coastal, there has been, I don't think there's ever been a team at Coastal that has gone four years without winning a championship. And I may be completely wrong, but I think if you as an athlete that went through Coastal, there was a time or another that you played either in the playoffs or you won a conference championship. Like Coastal is a little, is a, it's almost like a small kept secret almost when it comes to athletics because yeah. their athletics have always been good. Even back in the day with, um, being in the early days with softball and baseball, there's a lot of history there. Um, tennis, there's history. Soccer, there's history. Basketball, Basketball, there's history. You know, baseball, obviously, went into the College World Series. Um, there's more history than that. Football, you know, starting in 2003, winning uh, three Big South championships in a row, uh, had a break there, won another conference championship in 2010. Uh, Moglia takes over. They win, what, three or four conference championships as well. Uh, Chadwell has it now. They have the opportunity to win in the Sun Belt Conference Championship. Like, there's so much, so much rich history when it comes to Coastal's athletics. Well, and they even said what ESPN or Coastal posted something on their social media how there was, <clears throat> last four years, there was, uh, there, what football is now conference or is playing for the Sun Belt, mm-hmm. has the most historic run. Um, baseball with the 2016 national title. You know, the was it women's no men's soccer? Women's soccer. Um, I'm gonna miss one, I think, but then volleyball what goes one loss. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then um they're they're talking how all this stuff has happened. And it's just I was thinking about this and how everyone's talking about COVID and how all this is going on, and I I really think that Coastal was one of the schools to capitalize on it like they actually made something out of nothing yeah they definitely did that's also just like you know make making um situations working in favor i think people also realize you know with with the given times change is going to happen life is going to happen you're not going to be able to know what's coming your way but you gotta be able to roll with the punches you gotta be able to like like you say capitalize on whatever is going on like i mean one big thing that you saw and this is just like an example but like when COVID did hit, people started selling masks. Like early on, people were selling masks. They were selling things like, and I mean, and these are people that like went from every day of like, you know, the whole um, quote unquote like hustling type thing where they were selling something on a day to day basis. But they were like, okay, what's in right now is masks. And that's just an example. I mean, obviously. And that got branded like, so fast. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like you've seen stores selling, I've seen people that are small businesses selling it, and they're making yeah. money. It's because like no one could predict COVID happening, but it happened. And people who are still going to be like, instead of saying, hey, dang, like my business is not gonna be able to function. I can do it make bills because COVID hit. They was like, nah, I'm gonna start selling masks and make even more money. Like you just, that's just how life like hits. Like that's just a clear example of in life, we have to have the same mindset. Um, one of the things that I did when COVID first started hit, Santuana knows this, um, I was still training. I was out in the parking lot of um I, I said in Bucksport, I was on the parking lot training. Like people would come by and be like, well, what are you what are you doing? I'm like, I'm training. But it's, but it's COVID. Like I'm like your point that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm social distancing. Like I'm I'm out here in the parking lot by myself. Like I praise a lot of people during their uh that either started their fitness journey or pick back up their fitness journey during quarantine, you know, continue their fitness journey. 
you know, some I know some people couldn't, depending on how what the circumstances were. But like COVID during that whole pandemic time, or what well, was still a pandemic, their whole quarantine phase, um, it was it was great to see how many people were so dedicated to all right, I'm gonna make these changes. These changes that I've been talking about that I'm gonna make. They're like, all right, I'm gonna make them. Or they probably didn't, some didn't, some did, but it, like that was that was a big thing. It was also, I mean, like it was kind of like almost like the whole CrossFit effect all over again because you remember when CrossFit got big, everybody all of a sudden was, you know, CrossFit got people off the couch because what they saw on TV in the CrossFit games, they're like, oh man, I want to look like that. They said they eat paleo. I'm gonna eat paleo too. Now, needless to say, paleo died out like what two, three years ago. I think some people still follow it a little bit, but not much. Everybody's on the macro kick now, and and I have no idea what will be the next kick after that because honestly, macros is probably the only thing that probably should be, you know, last forever because it's. I mean, technically, it's what's always been there, but nobody's really like actually like used to break it break it down completely. Besides, like you know, people that were elite weightlifters, people that were elite powerlifters, um, you know, elite athletes that were having nutritionists, you know, that was the only ones that really kind of like really looked at that macro style. But that's that's like the big thing now. So it's. I, I think honestly, from being a college student, I guess I guess I would say from being a college student, but from just my my um, viewpoint, I think everyone's doing keto now, and I keep telling them I'm like keto is so, in my opinion, keto is so pointless. Mm-hmm. No one does keto right because, like, in order for keto, like, for your ketones to kick in, it takes four to six weeks of you being dedicated, absolutely dedicated to an eating regimen that nobody realizes. Like, you, they just, it's their excuse to have a lot of proteins and fats mm-hmm. um, and turn out carbs. But I mean, no one survives that four to six weeks of trying right. to get. Um, How many people would like started like January 1st, like a year or two ago? And then they was all like, oh, I got a keto flu, I'm sick. You know, and there's some people that last it. And I will say this. I'm not, like I said, I'm not, a, I do macros, but like, as far as like keto concern, I'm not condoning this, but if you want to start something and you're like, I want to start keto, only use it as a detox. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Even that thing. word right there is big. Detox? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Or cleanses. That was that was a hit word for a long time. It still gets brought up. Yeah, um, one of the big things right now. Is, uh, <laughs> um, uh, your boy has a lot to say. I, y'all just hit on some great points. Um, so like, besides where I'm Muslim, so I do Ramadan every year. Mm-hmm. One of the big things that's now a huge trend, and now a lot of doctors are recommending is fasting. A lot of people do intermittent fasting. That's a, that's a big regiment now. Um let alone and this, there's even studies that um doctors have said like hey people like don't even you don't have to do ramadan but they're like it is smart to take a month out of the year to kind of do that same regimen um you don't have to do it to the same degree because during ramadan i don't eat i mean yeah i don't eat or drink from sun up to sundown but the detox is crazy i'm telling you like injuries that i've had at the start of ramadan versus the end I don't have. Um, I have videos from the last two Ramadans that I've done where I've actually PR'd towards the end of Ramadan. Like uh, I PR'd, there was one lift that I, um, I PR'd my clean. I mean, this is like no food on my stomach. I know one guy that uh, actually came in second at a Nationals Olympic weightlifting meet for, and he was he was doing Ramadan. Like he didn't have anything to eat, and he did it. Um, one thing that also does is it also challenges you to practice more of the mind over matter aspect. Um, there's just so much with it. Like I also thought about like, you know, think about, let's, let's think about history. People weren't having three square meals a day, but they were still functioning at high capacities. Like it's, it's just a kind of a thing that we think now that I need three square meals or more to be able to function throughout the day, to be able to reach my optimal level of fitness. Um, even just general living, not even, not even fitness, man. Like, I mean, I've, I've even been thinking about it even today, like, you know, with a lot of us on the go, 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 and if you can and can't, you know, obviously if you can meal prep, that's, that's amazing. If you have the time to cook, that's amazing. Like today, I had the time to cook a meal. It is always great to just sit and kind of just enjoy it, just enjoy the process of it. But I know even with like me, I'm getting home at eight, nine o'clock at night, you know, five, six days a week, or I'm out and I forget to throw something in the, you know, we'll say. Uh, in the fridge to defrost or 
in cold water to the front, whatever it is. But, you know, just looking at, you know, I ate, say you eat just light, say you eat one meal, but the whole day just flies by and you're, you're not hungry when you go to sleep. You're not, you know, you drank enough water and, you know, it's, it is almost like that. I still feel good. You know, maybe I didn't drink the amount of water I wanted to drink. Maybe I didn't eat the calories I wanted to eat, but I still feel good. Yeah, we can argue science. Yeah, we can argue calories, metabolism, everything under the sun. But at some point, that, that mentality does have to come into play. Because I know, what is it? Um, uh, Eric Thomas was talking about how uh, Beyonce, when she was doing her I think she was working on her album. She didn't eat, eat or drink for three days. Yeah. And it was just, she was so hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there had, there has to be something to it. And I think it, I, I, I know I've had it where it was when I was redoing my website and I looked down at my clock on my, on my monitor and it's at 8 PM. I was like, all right, cool, man. I can burn four hours and just overhaul this. And I got so into every little thing. I looked up, it's at 1130. I'm like, all right, perfect. I worked about one and like, we are golden. I'll go to sleep. We're fine. I looked down at 330 <laughs> and I was like, oh, hell, let's go. That's not good. That's not good, man. I got to get to sleep. And I went, I only have this one little piece left. Let me get this one little piece. I look 5am, boom. And I went, oh, that's, that's not good. But my mind and my body did not feel tired because I was so wired. Like it wasn't taking anything, my, no, no drugs, alcohol, nothing. Just I was so focused on what I was doing. And it was weird because it got to about six o'clock. And I'm like, I, I've watched the sunset and get up. I need to go to sleep. And that was, that was one of those things where I went, it's now done. I can stop. It wasn't, I want to put this off. It falls within my window of hours. It's, it's done. I can sleep. And at some point you need to follow that schedule. At some point you need to completely abandon it. And it's knowing when to do both. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, uh, that's such an important mentality to have because like you said, people put a lot of this stuff off. Um, and also it's just about being able to have that mindset. No, it's about being able to know that you can tap into that mindset when you need it. Uh, because like I said, for when I was doing Ramadan, that was it. my first time doing it was the most challenging month I've ever had in my life. Because the first week you're going to experience the hunger pains, you're going to experience the headaches. And I was still training like to a very high degree. So I'm in the gym. And, you know, every now and then I, people are like, you know, what, what's your current diet like? And I'm like, right now, I'm, I'm not eating or drinking anything. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not eating or drinking anything, like, <laughs> from sun to sundown. Yeah. Um, I just get into logistics with them about it. But, like, the thing is, it, I was still functioning. I was still working out. People were still, like, so amazed at, like, what I was doing. Because I was still doing Olympic weightlifting heavy at that time. So they were, like, trying to figure out, like, how are you front squatting 315? And I'm like, uh, like, what's your diet? Like, they keep asking me the questions. And like, when I tell them that, like, you know, I'm doing the whole fasting thing, they're in disbelief. And their automatic first thing that they usually would say would be like, oh, I can't do that because I need to eat. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I think we all do. It's also important that you have that mindset or that mentality that you can tap into when you need to. Um, I've learned a lot about myself through that month. And it was the fact that I can tap into that mindset or not realizing that I have to be reliant on eating three square meals a day. Of course, uh, you know, you still got to, but it's, it's a month where it challenges you spiritually and mentally to be able to rely on your mental and your spiritual aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like too many people rely on the physical side. Like, you know, some people try to push their bodies to a higher level without training their minds. Your mind yeah, is there, were, there were a couple of days I came in, I came into the weight room and Santuan knew I was upset. I, he, I walked in and he just looked at me and goes, yeah, that's one of those days, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is, man. Um, I'm going to put my headphones on. That's going to be it. 
<laughs> that was, you know, and I would just slam and wait or something would happen. And it was one of those things. Like, it wasn't because I ate, and I'm going to use the very basic training thing, chicken and rice, you know, three square meals, you know, yada, yada, yada. I was probably hadn't eaten lunch. I was probably running on caffeine or I wasn't drinking a lot. And I just came in and I was just mad for whatever reason, just upset and just emotion just fueled the whole thing. And that was what I probably PR or something. I don't know, but that was one of those things. And it was like the best lift because you got everything out for whatever reason. That's um, one thing I've learned is also tapping into your emotions. That's an important aspect that you just talked about or that translates over is being able to tap into your emotions when you when you need them, um, knowing when because like some of our best workouts and we know this as athletes, some of our best workouts are when we're upset or when we're angry or when we're like mad. But you have to be able to know when that we can use that to be able to help with our lifting or when it can actually affect our lifting in a negative aspect. Um, because you never want to overdo it because a lot of times when you start lifting with aggression, like it's almost like uh, I kind of use, I mean, the older that I get with the lifting and stuff like that, I use more of the meditation method. So if you know, like the same thing, like the boxers, some boxers have, they listen to Mozart before they go into the ring because it calms you down. Being so amped up, you, you know, everybody wanted to be amped up, getting off the bus, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you don't do anything when it's time to show up. <laughs> So it's kind of like, you know, ease yourself into it, use all the energy, and then use it all for that lift, and then bring it back home. So it, that, that, you know, that kind of ties in what you were talking about. You, got, you kind of, you can use it, and you kind of can't sometimes. Max out day is no, it, Max out day is different. Like I always feel like Max out day, you gotta kind of be a little bit more hyped up on those days. But of course, of course. <laughs> I, I think about it like. Uh, I think about that sense of like going super slain. I don't know if y'all know like Dragon Ball Z. I was thinking like, the same thing. That's so weird. Yeah. That's like, so weird. I, that, yeah, no. like, but I think about it just as going as super slain. Like that's Goku be channeling all the anger because like I don't know if you know the concept of like a super saiyan, but like just to basically tie it in, like Goku taps into his emotion, like his 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 anger when he goes like super saiyan and super saiyan two and super saiyan three. I think it's not about channeling that anger, like channeling those emotions when you are lifting. Um, that I use, that's why I usually think about when I usually, <laughs> with the whole emotion thing, um, I don't let it overwhelm me and everything else in life. When I get to the gym, all that anger that I've had, all that extra stress and emotion, I, I use that all to channel um, a different Josh during the training. I mean, you, you could even translate it into like grunting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. almost, almost the rule will say the human way of going Super Saiyan <laughs> would be grunting or yelling. That reminds me, as I said, at the last thousand pound club, they they put me after a guy that literally dude was going Super Saiyan before every lift, and it took about like five minutes to get like set up. Really? Like first he would, he 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 takes a little bit of time, you know, gets the boat going, and for like two minutes he's just. <sighs> Like starts grunting for a long time, and then like I'm, and I'm you know I'm getting mad because like I'm a very anxious person. It takes him like five extra minutes to get set up, and I mean he's, I'm, it was so annoying. He was like legit going super saiyan screaming, like I mean slamming stuff. Like um he did the whole eyes on like the back of the head thing. But yeah, like dude was going through a whole possession before he lived. <laughs> so I feel like people like do like that before they lift. I'm like get out. <laughs> like, so I mean, yes, you do need to be amped up. Don't get me wrong. But like some people just like he was just talking about some people just overdo it. Like you're just doing it for, for a show. I, and every time and any time I see that, I just automatically think of that skit from Kevin Hart. Just, <laughs> like, it's a show more than anything at that point. Like I've been around the big time powerless. I've been around, you know, big time weightlifters and nobody really does that. You know, yeah, maybe you might see somebody get some smelling salt hyped up right before they go on stage but like the whole grunting for five minutes like that's just excessive at that point yeah that's just overkill like i, I mean, mean like, if it's, we've, we've seen stuff like that at least 
that are, you know, and they're like big um, caliber athletes and they actually like, you know, they will hit a big lift. That's just their thing, but they don't do it for five minutes. Cause just like we're talking about, if you really know your thing, you're very quiet. You're very uh, meditated into your moment. You're very calm. You get hyped up right before you go on the stage and then you go pull the bar and then you boom, smash it. Yeah. Good lift. Yeah. I just recently started getting the grunting. I actually like, I know like the past lifts, I mean, all my whole time in Olympic weightlifting, my whole time like doing the thousand pound club thing. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, everyone's always like, Josh, you're, you're such a graceful lifter. I'm like, uh, uh, thank you. Like, <laughs> um, The grunting you know, helps because it, it, you know, it helps you breathe. I like, I'm big on that. You know, you gotta, uh, you know, whatever works breathing on the way up from a squat or whatever, you know, even in tennis, you think they're just screaming, but no, that's teaching them how to breathe when they hit the ball. <laughs> that's all it does. That's what weightlifting did for me. Well, it was athletics first, but then like I never used to grunt or do anything until really I started lifting down here. And that was like, I realized my body was about to get taxed and there was going to be a lot of weight movement and there was no, mm, and just like just closing your mouth and going, oh, no, it's too weird. You know, you just do something. The first time you do it and you're like, you want to laugh at me? I've got like 200 pounds on my, like a front rack. Like, I don't care. You can laugh at me all you want. I picked it up. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, it, you start realizing you got to have weird habits. Like, when you live, um, my <laughs> weird habits was uh, one of the things I do is like, I open my mouth. Um, I remember seeing like I remember like two years ago I saw like Noah Olson do it at like the cross games and I was like that's so weird, but then like I went back and started looking at all my videos and like this happened like probably like the recent like year all my every time I lift my mouth is like open like just like that every time and I'm just like why like why do I do that, but I mean it works for me I guess um, it's easier but like my body just naturally before I start lifting like opens and I go. Yeah. I, um, my, my one weird thing too, you know, I started, I don't even know really when I started this, but like I opened my mouth, like Michael Jordan, like going, you know, for a dunk as I'm pulling the bar. What I do now, like that's, is, <laughs> that's I've noticed that's, that too. And I was going to say it <laughs> all of a sudden. I just realized I just started happening. And I know there's other athletes that do it. Uh, you know, my my coach does it. I, I probably did it copying him one day, just being funny, and then I realized, oh, it actually works. Like that's I, what I do now. I think I think mine even even mine similar. I think it's like a little bit of both. Um, like whenever I go to like that first pull, is that like that like big brace, like that little that breath and that brace, and then after that brace, it goes, <gasps> and there's like an extra inhale, like I'm taking it from an inhaler. And or it comes up and the moment it pops goes almost like I'm getting punched. (laughs) And I don't think about it. The first couple of times I did it, I've got a couple of athletes I'll actually train with and they look at me and go, What was that? I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, what was what? That little gasp of air that you tried to suck in. And I went, What are you talking about? Like (laughs) That's how you do tight. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Well, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, it's not really doing anything, so I don't really want to say that, but it's yeah, more like, of a... Your body just takes control at, like, that point. Like, <laughs> I know at um, the last thousand pound club, like, after my first deadlift, they were like, um, you know, they were like, everyone was like, oh, we noticed you, like, you smiled at the top. And I was like, I smiled? Like, what? So it became, like, a big thing, like, for the rest of that day after, like, all my deadlifts, I would purposely smile. But I didn't even realize my on my first lift, I just naturally, like, I was smiling. I don't know why. Like, it was like, I don't know if it was like the smirk for me, like, straining, but like, I guess, however, I was straining throughout that transition. Like, they were like, oh, like, you were smiling. It was, it was funny. And I was like, I really wasn't trying to, but if that's what you pick, well, okay, we're going, I guess, whatever. <laughs> so, all right, well, uh, we're going to cut it right there. But I just want to say thanks, Josh. Um, it was uh, a lot more deeper talk than I expected. Actually, right away. So motivated. I know, man. It's Mister. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I underestimated Mister. Motivated. Oh well, and that's the important thing. The last thing I will say is like the whole reason why I do stay motivated is because it's about constantly finding the motivation that leads to inspiration. Motivation is temporary, and inspiration is lifelong. So you have to constantly find whatever motivates you to lead up to your inspiration. Motivation is 
not going to keep like just resurfacing on its own. You have to find it. So that's why, you know, the whole saying is stay motivated. Maturity. I'll tell you what, that's maturity. Yes. The Josh I bet years ago to the Josh now, maturity. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's going to take me a long way. Like, um, it's just about realizing your weaknesses and working on them. So mm -hmm. I'm happy that you guys had me. I, ha I definitely had a fun time on here. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, most definitely. So until until next week, seven o'clock Sundays or seven to five as tonight was, uh, we'll see you later. <laughs>